0: Welcome to another episode of Mining Now. I am your host, Jared Downey. Mining Now focuses on the mining of today that will shape the mines of tomorrow. It is a production brought to you by CIM in co production with Crownsman. Uh, for, more information about, uh, for more information about CIM membership, go to CIM.org for more information about Crownsman Productions. Go to crownsman.com. Our guest today is Dr. Franco Oboni, and he is the president of RiskScope. Good morning, Franco. Good how morning, are you?
1: Jared. Excellent, thank you. How are you doing?
0: I'm very, I'm very well, and I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. We've, we've done a lot of prep to get um, a very technical topic compressed into a 20-minute interview. So I'm looking forward to seeing how we do.
1: Yeah. Please forgive my haircut but as you know I'm transformed in a caveman because of COVID-19. So.
0: I've got uh, I'm uh, I'm relying on a lot of gel right now. It's all pushed into the back. All right. All right. <laughs> um, excellent. You know I want to just you know I, I think what uh, RiskScope it identifies, quantifies, prioritizes enterprise risks. Um, now, that sounds very good, and I need, I need you to just kick off for the audience. Um, I, I think it's really key uh, in this interview that we're not going to assume um, people know certain terminology and, and what you do. So I just want initially to, for you to walk us through it, and I, I think we should start with the big picture. What is your mission at RiskScope?
1: Okay, yeah, Sure. Our mission at Riscope is better basically to make companies and governments, uh, we have some governmental agencies uh, as clients, uh, have a better future. And a better future means having a more sustainable future, and the more sustainable futures comes from understanding the risks that lie ahead. Quantify them, so know how bad they can be, how much they can hurt, and then be able to prioritize them so that they can allow capital expenditures and, and ongoing uh, mitigation expenditures. That's basically what we do. Now, and
0: and how, how do you do that?
1: Okay, um, risk is a, a strange beast. It looks simple, but it isn't. So let me explain to you this. Risk is made of two components. One is the probability of occurrence of an nefarious event. It could be a hurricane, it could be an epidemic, it could be a, a, a tailing stamp failing. And and the other element of risk is the consequence of that of that event. So now the consequences are a very complex function of many dimensions. There are there is harm to humans. There is harm to the environment. There is harm to the corporation or the agency itself as they may lose business or they may lose credibility. And there is a dimension, of course, of legal consequences and reputation and so forth. So when we evaluate risk, we evaluate the probability of failure of, uh, the probability of occurrence of different scenarios. And we pair that probability with the consequences of these scenarios. Once you have done that, if you can put together, and we will see examples later, the tolerance to risk, which can be in itself double, there is a societal tolerance and there is a corporate tolerance, then you know exactly which risks are going to hurt you and your organizations and therefore you can develop a roadmap to sustainability hopefully indefinite sustainability that's what we do and that's how we do it
0: so you're not just it's not just about eliminating risks because there is always some risk it is also about assessing which risk to take and and how to take them correctly or as correct exactly. as you possibly can
1: with the available data at the time of your study that's why in risk nothing is written in stone situations can be very fluid as you know Um, Mm -hmm. it is necessary to constantly update risk assessments Uh, it is not something you do you put on a shelf and you forget about it Um, updates are extremely important and it is very very important to keep a constant eye on emerging emerging issues that's where people get caught
0: so right now Franco are there I mean we're obviously in a very unique situation which is why both the, you and I have longer hair than normal um, what can you lay out a, sort of a tangible example based on what's going on right now of what risk assessment is
1: yeah sure sure um, okay First of all, a situation like the one we are seeing nowadays is again composed of two elements. One element is its likelihood, its probability, and based on on 400 years of recent, recent quoted world history, I can tell you that the uh, rate of events of this type is basically between one every 30 years, one every 50 years, you know, in that range. So that's one element. The other element is the consequence. Now, there have been quarantines since the year 600 in China, and Venice became very adept in, in, uh, in 1400, in 1300 to uh, enclose and, and, and flatten the curve, to use a term that is used today. Uh, when merchant ships were coming in. So we have been doing this forever. Now, the consequence that is occurring now is particular because the whole world has reacted in a certain way, as you know. Mm -hmm. A risk assessment would be used in this case, and I tell you right away, we haven't done a risk assessment on this. We did a risk assessment in the last Uh, economic meltdown in 2008, which was proven to be very successful in terms of prediction, but we haven't done it yet for this. But in this case, we would help uh, a company or a government to decide if it is more rational to accept a certain level of of contagion within their group of people or uh, preserve to a stronger level that contagion and of course perhaps undergo um, more economic damage because the the duration of the shutdown would be longer now allow me also to say something is that here time is very important because if if you let contagion but then you prolong the duration of the crisis then at the end, your your shutdown period will also increase. And so it's a matter of finding an optimum and the risk assessment mm-hmm. done in a certain way, proper way, uh, would then uh, allow to make better decisions.
0: Yeah, no, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense the way you're laying it out. And uh, I want to I wanna go in, zoom in a little closer now to mining specific. Mm-hmm. So can you... Can you lay out, I mean, in layman's term, which will be very helpful for me, in the mining industry, um, what's what what's an example of a risk assessment within the industry itself?
1: Okay. Um, you have a company with many, many, many tailings dams. Now mm-hmm. everybody is raising arms saying that uh, uh, tailings dams are super hazardous and so forth. Um, A risk assessment allows that company to properly prioritize their portfolio of dams. Mm. They can even extend this to uh, evaluating all the risks throughout their organization, 360 degrees, including logistics, including cyber, including whatever there is, power generation and so forth. And finally derived from that a sustainable roadmap to mitigation so we are actually helping our clients to not, not to squander money by fixing problems that might not be as bad as they look at first sight
0: when you just said uh, money that that's when all the uh, all the listeners perked up and went oh saving money yeah i mean <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> i was I was going to ask the I think I made a, I, I made a error when we were having the conversation with confusing the word risk with probability, um which didn't seem very similar to me, but actually they're quite easy to confuse. Can you unpackage that uh, a little bit within the scope of you know tailings ponds, risk ponds, risk assessment within the mining, um, yes. the, the sort of the the easy confusion that can happen there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, it's, it's a very good question. Um, this is a big problem because very often, people talk about risk, but they don't really apply a well-defined glossary. So very often in a conversation on the, in the newspapers, when you open a newspaper, you see, oh well, risk, 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 but actually, those people are talking only and exclusively about the likelihood or the probability of something to happen Mm. something could be a dam failing or a pipeline exploding or whatever risk is not that risk is the combination of that probability with the consequences so anybody that talks about risk meaning probability is only creating confusion and there is a lot of Mm. confusion out there let me tell you this we oftentimes have clients that call us in and they say, look, we have done a risk assessment and we don't know anymore what to do because the results are confusing and misleading very often, which is even worse than confusing. So keeping a proper glossary is fundamental in this business. And, and it is a very specific glossary that exists and has to be applied.
0: I want to I want to touch on something quickly because we do want to get into uh, there's, there's a couple more things I want to get into, mm-hmm. but at RiskScope you're not are you just doing risk assessment or are you offering um, some uh, wider range of services um, you know consulting things like that? Uh,
1: yeah, we, actually yes we 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 specialize in quantitative convergent risk assessments that's for sure the bulk of our business. But we teach courses. I teach Hmm. uh, university-level MBA courses in risk management. And also, we publish a lot. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, last summer, um, our book on tailing stamps, uh, Risk Assessment. I saw that. Yes, by Springer. and Absolutely.
0: So, so did you are you the author of that book, or was it a collaborative uh, publication?
1: <laughs> um, we always write four hands uh, with my son, partner, and boss, Cesaro Boni. And we had a cooperation with Henri Breault, who is a guy that I really respect. And he, he was kind enough to cooperate with us for the parts that are more um, on the management side, if you want. So it's basically mm. a five-hand book, if we can say that.
0: <laughs> it's in keeping with, uh, with a lot of the work you do in the mining industry. It, it usually takes a few people. Exactly. Um, going back to the tailings pond, you know, and I always think it's so important, uh, you know, there's going to be a wide range of uh, of levels at certain companies that watch this, watch this episode, a wide range of skills and people that understand different aspects of mining. Um, And so I want to go back in a little bit deeper into the tailings pond because, um, you know, I I think probably the best way to do it would actually just show an example of uh, a dam failure. And again, try not to confuse risk with probability. but you sort of have examples that stand out to you. Um, that are, are good examples of what you're trying to avoid with your risk assessments?
1: Well, uh, most definitely, uh, anybody in the business has followed the very sad events in Brazil and the very sad event here in BC with Mount Pauli. Mm-hmm. And many have also followed. A sort of uh, side events I say side side events because it was not tailings but it was a hydro dam that occurred in California and that was the Oroville dam which is a kind of special case but very interesting from a managerial point of view and we have also followed with a lot of interest the series of dams that uh, failed in Laos Last, last year or two years ago, because each one of these failures actually teaches us something. And it is very unfortunate that uh, to, to this day, there is no uh, uniform way of reporting accidents in the tailings industry, you know? So, so we have records We have uh, records of the last hundred and some years that were built painstakingly by other researchers uh, around the world. And those records are unfortunately incomplete and and sometimes Mm. biased and so forth. Nevertheless, they constitute a huge knowledge base. And we tap into that to benchmark our clients' dams. In other words, we tell our clients if their dams are better or par mm. or worse than the world performance over the last hundred years in terms of likelihood of occurrence or probability of occurrence
0: i think I think this would be a good time to to talk a little bit about or um, uh, the, it's optimum risk estimates and and we've got a graph and I want to bring that up and I would just if you could just walk us through. Um, you know, sort of. Uh, I mean, obviously, well, you you wrote a book on it, so it, it could be it could be quite extensive. But but just on the base level of of what this graph is telling us about the the, the methodology Riscope is using.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <coughs> the methodology, as you can see from the graph, is a continuous loop. You start from mm-hmm. the top left, where you basically have the data gathering. Or the knowledge base building block and that knowledge base nowadays can be performed by using standard procedures so reports inspection reports and so forth monitoring but very importantly and we're really getting specialized in this integrating space observation in our knowledge base and using it in the risk assessment we could write a book on space observation applied to risk assessment, so let's let's skip mm-hmm. that. Um, <laughs> then in the middle you have the area where we are actually evaluating consequences, evaluating probabilities, and at the end of this we distill the risks. If we go farther around the, the circle or around the, the, the rectangle there, then we put together the societal and corporate tolerance for our client and we put together now the probabilities the consequences and the tolerance and that allows us to determine which risks are intolerable but not only it allows us to say that there might be risks that are intolerable and manageable so it's a matter of injecting money And there are risks that might be intolerable and unmanageable. Mm -hmm. And those are the strategic risks, actually. And those risks require modification of the system itself. Right. Okay. So in the mining industry, we have clients that have changed processes that used very hazardous material to solve a problem linked to strategic risks Mm. or in the tailings field it would mean to perhaps remove the population that is downstream of a dam or build a second level of defense downstream of the main dam i mean there is a a whole pantry if you allow me using that term of um, ideas and concepts that can be applied in order to solve every single category of risks, so tactical risks, the one that is intolerable and manageable, and strategic risks that are the ones that are intolerable and non-manageable. So at the end of the day, once we have distilled the the final results, so all these risks and all their categories, we can actually then support our client in making decisions. And those decisions will then lead to Better communication of the risk, uh, environmental protection, uh, risk reduction in general, and so forth. And with that, we are back to square one. And as time progresses, we will have to perform some kind of uh, update of the risk assessment. So basically, that closes the OR
0: loop. This, okay, and I'm very happy you did. You you added this in because um, by adding, I mean sending me the images so I can actually give a, a visual, get a visual of of this graph. So I want to move. You sent an image, an illustration of a tailings dam, um, an analysis of one, um, and and I want you to walk it. Can, can you walk us through? I'm going to bring that up on the screen, and, and can you just can you just explain what we're looking at in this image?
1: Okay, um, first of all, I've given you a cross-section of a dam showing that a dam, it it, it doesn't fail out of one single failure mode as many people think. It's generally a combination of events that may trigger a failure. In this particular Mm. case, I'm showing that the pipeline uh, that distributes tailings at the crest of the dam might lead to scouring of the dam itself, and that scouring may lead to erosion channeling if of course if it goes undetected, and finally it can lead to the failure of a dam. This is a a phenomenon that has been highlighted by all the last forensic analyses that have clearly shown that it is never one single failure mode that creates a failure it's always a conjunction of unfortunate smaller deviations that sometimes deliver the final horrific results that we have seen on the on the media so that's one aspect the second aspect is that the causes of the failure the potential failure of a dam start from day one and when i say day one i mean the time that the first geologist goes on site and perhaps digs the first borel. We have seen and forensic analysis have shown, it is true, that very often uh, dams have too short or or geotechnical and geological and hydrological campaigns are not uh, detailed enough. So the understanding of the site was not enough to support mm the structure. So causality starts there. And then, of course, there is design that might have oversights, um, sometimes uh, by human reasons. We will not delve into this. We have written papers on this. They are all on our website. And also then construction, and finally the management. So the there is a continuum of causality construction throughout the life of a dam. And that causality goes from nil when there is no dam and there is no idea of building it to the full scope of causality, 100% split in families once the dam is up and running.
0: Franco, you, I mean, mean, this is, it's very technical. um, And I do, you've, you've provided some really good graphs that, um, I know I needed some explaining to, and probably could use a lot more. So I just want you, some of these uh, graphs you sent through um, that, that we've looked through, if you could just walk the audience through a couple of them as we come to a close um, of the interview, I think it would be really helpful to, to just give the audience that sort of close the loop of everything that we've touched on um, in the show today.
1: Okay, no problem. Thank you. Um, let's start with a graph that is entitled "Dams Summary." It's the graph that has a, a yellow stripe, horizontal gray, orange, blue, and then the vertical bars. Mm. Okay, so this dam summary graph is a instrument that we use in our dashboard, in our risk dashboard, to explain to clients their situation. What you see here is the the, the main information is the orange horizontal bar, which corresponds to the 100 years uh, benchmarking I was citing before. So basically Mm -hmm. anything that is below that orange bar is a dam that is better in terms of probability of failure than the worldwide portfolio. Anything that is above that, is not as good as a worldwide portfolio. And when you get into the yellow top bar, you are in what we call the pre catastrophic situation. Now, you Mm -hmm. see that each dam is defined by a vertical light blue bar. And you might say, why is the bar, uh, in some cases longer than in others, and why, why there is a bar and not a dot? And the reason is very simple there are uncertainties, and we, we for ethical reasons and for, for reliability of our study reasons, we always explicitly convey the level of uncertainty of a dam. So if a dam has a very long bar, it means we know very little. Um, mm. There is an optimistic way that says, oh, the probability could be really low. And and this is not a probability we invent, this is a probability we evaluate using ore to tailings which is our flagship subset of ore specific to uh, tailings dams. So basically with an image like this, the client, whether he has 10 dams or 15 dams like here, or he has 100 or 1000, will be able to see where are the bed, apples in his basket Mm -hmm. and portfolio. That's in terms of uh, probability. Then the next graph I would like to comment is the pie diagram that you see. Uh, It's entitled Intolerable Risk. And that pie diagram is a classic result out of the 15 or 16 dams of this portfolio it shows that basically there are only one, two, three, four uh, dams that are above tolerance. So they have mm. intolerable risks. And it shows that two of them have 80, uh, represent 80% of the intolerable risks. This is a classic Whoa. Pareto 80-20 type of result. And ore to tailings and ore in general systematically shows this. It focuses the attention on stuff that really hurts that has the potential to really hurt the client and finally, the last graph I would like to comment is the one that shows the explicitly the orange the yellow line the yellow curve, which is the corporate client tolerability of this specific client for this specific portfolio and a bunch of other Uh, interesting uh, thresholds including the societal one that we will not discuss now because we don't have time but Mm. basically you can see that uh, uh, a refrain that is used a lot lately that says that uh, dams should be qualified by their consequences can be easily disproven because higher consequences uh, do not necessarily lead to higher risks, because people that that state that forget that risk is the combination of probability and consequence. So if you have a very, very safe dam, which has very little probability of failure, even if the consequences could be horrific, actually, at the end of the day, its risk is smaller than other dams.
0: you know, I I will be honest, Franco. When I first um, we've uh, it's been a while since we've done a mind Now episode. We we were getting some things together, and you were you're so you're our first guest in 2020. And when it when I looked at your website, I went, "Oh wow, okay." <laughs> I know nothing about what this is, and you know, seeing you actually walk through it, and it's just, you know, I think. You know, there will be some people that have watched it that have, they've either worked with you or they've worked with similar type companies and they're going to get it. But there's also going to be a large portion of people that you walking through this and actually taking the time to unpackage it, put it in simple terms, giving us real world examples, then, then zooming into these graphs. I mean, it's just going to be so helpful. It's so good for the mining industry to be sharing this. I mean, mining now goes out in public. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's not a login to, to watch everybody can access this information now. Um, so I just, I, I really am happy to have, have you on here talking about, um, talking about this because I think it's so important and it is going to make such a difference to people that are trying to understand the mining industry better.
1: Thank you. And I must say that, um, I'm, I'm really touched by your comment and, and, uh, that's the reason why we do a lot of publications that are freely available from our website. Each week we put out a blog post. Now the last one or two weeks ago, we had over 6,500 readings only on LinkedIn. Um,
0: Yes, I saw that, it was very popular.
1: I received a bunch of comments, heartwarming comments from many countries and many people I know. So so I, I think we have to Communicate this, and we have to let people know that there are ways to do a better job.
0: Well, I think, and I, I think this is a good step. And um, I want to, you know, you mentioned your website. You're active on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, we're going to, when we release this, we'll have across the screen where they go. Uh, it's just riskope.com. Uh That's, I mean, you have, there's a, just a ton of information that you have on your website there.
1: Yes, there is. There is. It's, it's, our, it's our way to do, give back, if you want, to society mm-hmm. uh, what we learn and, and, and try to move people away from obsolete and misleading methodologies and approaches.
0: Well, thanks again for coming on, Franco. Like we said at the beginning of the show, Mining Now is about looking at the mining of today that'll shape the minds of tomorrow. So we really appreciate you coming on and hope to have you on again soon.
1: Thank you, Jared. Very nice. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you for watching the show, everybody. There is multiple places you can watch Mining Now. Again, go to cim.org. They have the site plus they've got membership available, new events. I mean, CIM—it's where, it's where our production started on their trade show floor. Just an amazing organization. So please go to to their website and check out. I mean, they just—I mean, just even during this time that we're in right now, with with things getting shut down and canceled, they found ways to adapt and still offer value to their members. So please go to CIM.org. Of course, Crownsman, we do a lot of production in the heavy industry. So go to crownsman.com. Um, let us know if we, we can do anything for you. Again, thank you. Thank you to Franco for coming on and, and representing RiskScope so well and the industry. And we will see you on the next episode. There are places to follow, subscribe, visit CIM's YouTube channel, Crownsman YouTube channel, Facebook, LinkedIn. It's all there. We'll put all the information up there. Please follow and subscribe and please support the mining industry. Thank you and we'll see you on the next episode of Mining Now.